Welcome to Sleeping with the Moon. My name is Michael Loder and this is April's episode, which is called Murmurs and Rumours Under a Pink Moon. This is one of 12 monthly episodes charting my full moon sleepover encounters of last year. The name of the pink comes from the flocks that the First Nations saw emerging and blooming from the ground around this time of year. The beautifully evocative music, with its pulsating tonal rhythms and sparsity of notes, comes from Amy Summers, who I've known for about 16 years, who I first met when she was eight years old, sharing a classroom in a primary school with my daughter. So welcome and let's walk out into the night with the pink moon. Before stepping out into the setting sun and the promise of a supermoon, I have been studying its eight phases. Looking at the chart, I see new moon to waxing crescent, first quarter to waxing gibbous to full moon, waning gibbous to third quarter and waning crescent to new. And I'm surprised to see that the full-bellied moon is in the middle. For some reason, I imagined this stage of its flight as the end point, and I reflect on the phases of human life. Am I already waning? A sobering thought. Or simply moving involuntary towards my next fill of full? The dark has become a fascination. Ordinarily, it is what we instantly reach to switch and burn away with the shadows, then shun and shutter with sleep. And when we wake, at this time of year, with open-eyed wink, the light has returned. The dark, the beginning and end, the arrival and departure, the momentous awakening and incredible voyage, rounded with sleep. A thought arrives. Is the process of keeping our eyes closed at night and open during the day involuntary? If not, which would be easier? The moon will be at its perigee to the earth tonight, 18,000 miles closer at a mere 222,000, for the moon's orbit is an ellipse and therefore the so-called supermoon will appear 14% larger and 30% brighter. Since becoming a Selenophile, a lover of the moon, named after Selene, the ancient Greek moon goddess, I'm looking forward to my first conscious bout of moon delusion tonight, when the moon will look even bigger when it appears on the horizon. This eagerly anticipated moment will be accompanied by, I hope, its pinkish hue, due to atmospheric distortion or air pollution, or perhaps something more poetic, like the awakening energy of spring. The April full moon gets its name from the blooms of pink flocks that the First Nations witnessed emerging in early spring. It is also known as the egg, sprouting grass, or fish moon, forming at the vernal equinox, when the goddess Istra, where the name Easter comes from, would announce her mystical presence alongside her train of hopping hares bearing the lights of dawn. He is hoping for an early morning 
immortal wake-up call. Loping along the lane, I veer off at right angles, pursued by a car. Squeezing through the invisible gap in the hedge, I see a scattering of unusually placed white rocks. Looking up, I wonder if further moonstones are about to fall. Marvelling at the sky, striped with evening light, bursting through cirrus-laddered clouds, dazzling yellow dandelion stars litter the sun-streaked field. A crow dives low, the hedgerows whisper, rattle and scurry, tweeting podcast secrets of springtime preparation. Six-legged shadows of horse and harness lengthen their stride from paddock to stable. A pile of dung erupts with shooting green as the earth cracks dry from the lack of April showers. Perfume drifts airbound as rooks sail wing-bound to their sundown roosts. The empty brook, tired and cracked, thirsts for succour. Craters deep, hoofed and dry. Horses, flicking manes, puffing nostrils, warding off midges dancing in the ebbing of golden light. Western solar sinking, in anticipation for eastern lunar rising. Scented spring wafts and winnows as dry cough crow wade skyborne with silent beating wings. Dusk riders. The wary hare and snuffling hound tread the same olfactory path, one in pursuit, one in flight. Singing hedges burble with green bursting flavours of refreshing lime, shining vigorous with emerald sheen. Spring is in full bounty, with coney bone and cotton tail leaping boundless over tilled fields to keep up with the mad moon lunacy of the bouncing hare. Shaggy brown horned sheep stand and stare under copper beech. Horse startling, parching crows take off as the orange orb sinks, sun bowed into the spinney reflecting the roundness of the stone-lined dewpond. Evening's first cooling breeze stirs below white chevron clouds on a darkening sky, announcing the turning of day into night. And beneath my feet, the field is a universe in miniature as the supermoon spheres of dandelion seeds float voluminous in a galaxy of verdant grass as star-like primroses sparkle from grey stone wall. The undergrowth shadows stir with dusk-tethered life, as headlamps warn caution and traffic lights take control. I drift across unseen, into the sanctuary of broccoli coombe, darting into the flowered scrub of wild garlic, bluebell and daffodil, and begin to climb above the shooting stars of carlic traffic and the seeping of a setting sun. Walking into the arena of sound, 
under a canopy of ash, mature sweet chestnut and tendril branches of reaching yew, the dimming light stretches between coombe and road, and bird song rings heady with the spring potency as a siren squeals from the tarmac racetrack below. The dusk-time chorus of high-pitched chatter, blackbird alarm, pigeon branch rattling and whistling of fitful, fruitful notes continues unabated above creeping ground elder and the unfurling of ferns. Sweet songsters near, warble in shade, their wild wood melody. Far off the unvarying cuckoo soothes my ear. Up scour the stragglers of the flock that on green plots o'er precipices browse. Words composed from the climbing footsteps of Samuel Taylor Coleridge at Brockley Coombe in 1795. With every step I take in the dry bone forest, sticks shatter, crack and split like firecrackers, giving way to moss-covered stones and the undiscovered pathway that lies in wait. The sound of excavation erupts nearby and my heavy percussive boots disturb the potential booty of a browsing badger which looks, snorts and stampedes downhill in a descending disgruntled scale of exploding notes accompanied by the tree symphony overhead. Darkness spreads its weightless sheet. Day rests its head in slumber on the mattress of forest floor. Soft, slippered night steals in through the bedroom door. A gentle breeze directs my attention to the east, and there I see the pink moon already above the horizon, reflecting the last echoes of late April sun. I walk towards the coombe's edge for a clearer view, a hazy, gleaming moon with a pink halo tint, or a hint of wishful thinking. Lifting the binoculars, I make out the features of the man in the moon. A pink-orange avenue of light guides me to my bed. Lighting a candle brings the green beach ceiling closer as shadow trunks accentuate the moonlight that filters in between. Pigeons take flight. Another four-legger scampers, scattering leaf litter, and the herald of night hoots from the ever-darkening watchtower. I release my boots, rest my feet, close my eyes. Cooling breeze and unnamed sounds prevail, triggering imagination's wake. Crawling beetle, deer treading light, soft foot of fox, all drawing midnight closer. I cut my ears to heighten the tender, wood-bound footfall, but tarmac brushing, car tyre rushing, and the dig-be-dig-be-dig of a distant train intrude the secret silent party. An ever-nearing, roller-coasting siren screams in synchronicity with its blue-flashing, gate-crashing cousin, stirring the air colder before disappearing into the night, out of sight and sound. A moment of quiet, then the call of a lone fox bemoaning the invasion of the two-legged beast. 
but I am not alone, for I reach into my bag and bring out a friend, Dylan Thomas, whom I met in Tembe a few years ago, when he marvelled me with his milkwood musings. His book with well-thumbed brown blotched pages and a whiff of the old is opened. He turns to the contents and presses a finger onto the author's prologue with a knowing smile. You king sing-song owls, who moonbeam the flickering runs and dive the dingle, furred deer dead. Halloo on plumed brins, oh my ruffled ring dove in the hooting, nearly dark with Welsh and reverent rook coo-rooing the wood's praise, who moons her blue notes from her nest down to the curlew herd. He then tells me that the poem can be read from front to back and from the centre in either direction in rhyming couplets. I raise a nip of whisky and drink to his genius. He refrains for a moment. A young stem is beginning to sprout from a sycamore trunk, its tutor. Do leaves unfurl at dead of night or in the light of day? Do we grow in our sleep unaware of our giant becoming? cold on my face, and feet exposed, I blow out the candle and slip into my sack of dreams. The mystical has arrived. Underestimating the cooling night and the clear, bright moonlight chill, legs shiver and feet quiver in breezy bivy. The bitter nip wakes me to a watching lunar eye casting silent beams upon my bed. In and out of fitful sleep, the air canters down the slope, spewing, then rolling over the edge of the foaming coombe. Ghostly white outlines of horses drift like smoke, couriers of the cold. I dream of being buried by the rootling badger night shift undertaker. I wake to the dream sound of trampling feet, treading rain-sodden shoes. I dream a line of houses creeping close behind the beech trees. I dream a circling of technicolour families camped all around with flamboyant gazebo, sausages sizzling, dogs, kids, 
and satisfied smiles. I peep at the rose-tinted moon. It casts its halo gaze. Clear night, one star bright. Five trunks white, illumined in supermoon light. Young, leafing tails blowing in the breeze, sinking into the numinous night. Crow calls a morning, rising pale of blue through greening leaves. My ground-level, eye-level eye notices the small and the slow. Hover of spindle-fly, shred of leaf hanging by a thread, double bloom emerging from knuckled trunk, sinking, senseless, into mystical morning. My ground-level ear hears the quiet dripping onto leaf-litter. Gentle bird notes shimmer, last autumn's dry leaf tremor, clouding midges flurry, first buzz of bee, sinking senseless into mystical morning. My ground-level nose inhales the slow pulse of morning's earth, as microscopic wings waft the aroma of mulching, woodlouse stirring the browning compost floor and my peace is shattered. A Medusan mobile conversation crescendo cuts through with its one-way resonance, whilst the twelve-legged, three-headed dog of the overworld licks, slobbers, snuffles and pants along the brock-scented trail of last night, kicking leaf litter high to find me with incredulity. Although the Gorgon remains oblivious, frozen by obsession with the sound of her own voice. A hollow, high-pitched whistle, enough to disturb a crow in flight, corrals the canine kind to heal, and a final curdling shriek terminates this dystopian intrusion as my ears pick up the growing hum of early morning traffic. My eyes return to a patch of forest floor between my feet, and so I scrutinise the small, to see what I can see, to see what I can't see, to see what I don't know. I lift a dry leaf to reveal another in all shades of brown, from tan to beige to an almost bleached skeletal white, a marker of light and dark, day and night and passing time. Whole leaves give way to decay and the partly decomposed. Leaf casings, bud tips, pine needles, feather frond, horn beam bracked. Fragments become indistinguishable, microscopic minutiae, dust, motes, particles, and the deeper I delve, the denser the colour becomes darkened by the damp. And as we dig deeper into what we don't know, we can only discover the hundreds and thousands of unidentified, earth-enriching, powdered soup powers that feed the world fertile from the bottom up. Tiny roots dive, fragile stems reach high, 
pink sycamore shoots flutter down, tears of blessing from the supermoon, feeling the tidal pull from the forest bed. A woodlouse, clad in black polished armour, curls into its defensive ball, holding its shape, unravelling with antennae, feeling for danger before submerging into the undergrowth of tomorrow. And as we dig deeper into what we don't know, we can only wonder at the hundreds and thousands of thoughts ready to fly on imagination's wing. The nocturnal footfall of a hedgehog, the whisper of the she-wind, the cackle of magpie dawn, sunlight's last shard of life-giving elixir, starlight's glow reawakening the ancient ash, the silent flurry of bat's wing outwitting the empty hour, the luminescent trail of snail's nocturnal quest, the fragrance of moonbeam whilst awaiting a lover's tryst. What makes up this small, slow world, this quiet, secret night world, this out-of-sight and out-of-reach world that we drive, fly, pass, ride and march over two metres or more above? We have kept our distance far too long from the unseen and the unheard, the untouched and the unknown. These moony meetings are a chance to distance myself from the everyday, get away, attune with nature, cast time aside, sink into the moment, lose myself, find myself and bring back riches to share. So I hover and skip between momentary meditation and conscious experience and I realise that relaxing with a mission is not so easy. So I close my eyes to rest and digest, to meditate on my recent experience in standby mode, whilst feeling the gentle slope pulling me back homewards to the known, which I resist. The day begins to warm at my return to the present, and I slumber in the sun to rest, digest, ingest. We flick on the switch every morning to gaze at the glazed screen, working our mind overtime, pushing our cerebral pursuits. We switch channel, another screen, multitasking, multi-platform, global communication at a touch, pumping adrenaline, it's a buzz. We jump on the treadmill, hop to conveyor belt, belting around frantic, manic. We come off the rails in a daze, giddy, dizzy, wired, untouched oblivious to the small, the slow, the quiet of the forest floor where we took our first steps of feeling. I close my eyes, I bow my head to rest, digest, ingest. Can we not grow and sway like a branch on a tree with nourishing and lulling instead of our 24-7 non-stopping Anything, any time, off-the-shelf, shopping, that robs and mugs us of our momentary self. I lift my snail shell pack onto my back, 
thanking the coom for my cold night, warming morning, sheltered and exposing retreat, and walked towards the road with a tailcoat of forest clippings clinging in my wake. Experiences to remain and memories to share. Headley's cars rumble their dire warning of a return to the alien world along the macadam track that lies out of sight. A hole sinks between tree roots to the unseen and the invitation to remain. Fire cracking footsteps of twigs splinter and shatter over effusive fern whilst brimstone ringed fireplace awaits its next ignition. The inevitable return to the hum and drum of car and high-speed home is imminent. Stepping out of the slow-growing, still-knowing forest into the fast lane of congestion that traffics humans away from the nature that we've cast aside like unnecessary, illegal goods. Down, down, down. Slipping down sloped coom into a hole of discarded plastic, card and can-ridden road of short-lived love affairs. John Player kills. Coke, it's the real thing. Sniff, snuff, high canister, fish and chip wrapper. Window opener, music wrapper. The more of Walker's crisp crunch packet the roar of taxi plate, tyre screeching racket, igniting the benzene of self-starter engine. Time to switch off from human world intrusion. So I close my eyes and bow my head to rest, digest, ingest. Off the road, through a gate, into blissful birdsong, clearing my mind from human pollution, Finely sieved mole hill moon craters comment on our landfill lunacy that seed and fuel our zombified melanoma. Dandelions stand side by side with yellow petal shining rays, astral suns in a multiverse of many moons with perfect seeded spheres. Nature cures, wipes the slate, resets, empties the trash to begin again, fail again, fail again better, no matter. Like learning to walk again, I return to the field where I began, and a white moon horse catching my eye with the desire of lush green shooting grass drifts my way, and the night of cantering ghostly spectral forms echoes in my ears. I return to the lane, and the moonstones are still at the gate, shining white, shining bright, as a reminder for lovers of the moon, like you and I. So thank you for listening, and thank you to Pommy, too, for producing this podcast. More thanks go to Amy Summers for creating the beautiful music. The first piece was called Asclepius, and in Greek mythology, Asclepius was the son of Apollo, the god of the sun. And as we all know, Apollo 8 was the first rocket to orbit the moon, and Apollo 11 
the first to land on the moon. Her second piece was called Night. So thanks once again for listening and join us next month in May for the Flower Moon. <laughs>